The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford, or its affiliates. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Sheila Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. And it's the Thursday 10. We're back. They don't play until Monday, but that's okay. So we thought, you know what? They didn't play. They haven't played since last Thursday. They don't play again till this upcoming Monday. Let's do a mostly mailbag edition of the yeah, Thursday well, 10. You, yeah, you guys have questions. We have answers. I thought it worked out well last time. This saves, uh, you know, saves us the work of coming up with 10 questions. So uh, anytime I can get, you know, get a little break on my end, I'm going to take that, uh, no doubt. But we'll still finish with our predictions for the game against the Commanders. Benjamin Solak, how are we doing? Doing well. I, I don't know. Undefeated. There's only one one-loss team left. It's the Vikings. They have the Bills this week, <laughs> though it potentially maybe the Josh Allen Bills. I really would like for there to be no one-loss teams left. Is the moral of the story? I just want the Eagles and nobody close. Could be after this weekend. Yeah, the, even with the Josh Allen uncertainty, the Vikings are still, I think, three and a half point uh, underdogs. So not not big underdogs, but not expected to win that game. So we'll see what happens there. A lot of questions about playoff seating and matchups and all kinds of stuff. So everyone's looking ahead and I understand it. I mean, listen, you can't bet on the Eagles to make the playoffs on FanDuel anymore. It's off the board. You look at football outsiders, it's 99.5% to make the playoffs. So uh, everyone's looking ahead. Still a lot of football to be played. Injuries can be had. We'll get to some of those hypotheticals too, but let's get it started here. By the way, there were a lot of questions about which of their own free agents should they re-sign. Listen, you got to be a completist with the Ringers Philly special. We answered that question a couple weeks ago during the buy. I'm not going to go back and answer that question again. You got to listen to every minute of every episode so you can find that answer there. So if you're someone who submitted one of those questions, 
Sorry, uh, you're out of luck. You got to go back and listen to that episode. All right, let's get started, Ben. Number one, this is from Sam. How much are the Eagles missing Jordan Davis? And then there was also a question that said, like, hey, if you were, you know, in the room with Johnny Gans or Nick Sirianni or whoever and said, hey, this should kind of be the plan with Jordan Davis out, here's my opinion, what would it be? So you, you want to get us started and take that question? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, what we hoped the plan would be and then what the plan ended up looking like after that Thursday night Houston game. Uh, a, a thing that I did not realize uh, until after that pause we did in the Houston game, in terms of, of success rate per rush allowed, so how often the Texans had a successful rush against the, uh, the Eagles, they were at uh, 48% success rate, which is the highest number that the Eagles have given up. And if it were to like be like a season-long number, would make the Eagles one of the worst run defenses in the league. So the for that game, one of yeah, the worst so, single game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the early returns in term on on the rush defense were worrisome. Uh, this is exclusively because of, of of Jordan Davis being absent, right? It's not just like oh he's so good now he's gone. It's that okay when Davis is gone now they have to play the way they play their nose tackle position is a little bit different, right? If it's Marvin Wilson in there and they're asking him to be Jordan Davis, he can't do it. He's going to get moved off the ball. If it's Marlon Tuipiloto in there, he's asking him to just be like Jordan Davis, take two gaps, eat all the space. He can't do it. He gets moved off the ball. So now you have to ask your nose tackle to penetrate a little bit more, play one gap. Now your linebackers have to play faster. They're not as good at this. Now you're risking, uh, you're putting like Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave, your three techniques on an island. This is a little bit more risk prone. You might get a TFL. You might get a big chunk gain, right? And so there's there's those cascading effects. If the Eagles had kind of like a a solid veteran nose tackle sitting behind a Jordan Davis, it wouldn't be as big of an issue. But they didn't, right? They kind of drafted this guy to just play this role, one of the three downs, and that would be enough. And it's just an unfortunate injury. So what you have to do is you have to do, and they tried this a little bit. You got to do more games. You got to do more run blitzing. You got to do more creative ways to steal that extra gap, right? Jordan Davis accounts for two gaps as one player. He makes the math right for a too high defense. You have to find other ways to do it. And that's running run stunts, running run blitzes, trying to find a way to gain that that extra gap. They're going to get Avante Maddox involved in the running game a lot more, right? Instead of aligning him way outside the slot receiver, they'll line him inside. They'll blitz him. They'll ask him to kind of be that D-gap player. Just You're going to have to kind of cheese it. It's creative ways to get it done. If you're keyed in on tendency, you'll be okay. If teams feel like they're keyed in on your tendency, you will not be okay. You'll get the ball moved down the field on you pretty easy, as we saw the Texans do on a couple drives. So it's concerning. Uh, the good news is that it's not a season-long injury. If this were a season-long injury, it'd be really tough, right? Like, you have to find a very tenable week-in and week-out solution. That's hard to do when you're just trying to, like, cheese it. If it's the next four weeks, then, yeah, you can probably, you know, with your 99% chance to win the playoffs, 90% chance to win the division yeah. scope right now, you can probably kind of fudge it in the margins a little bit. I'm going to slightly disagree with with some of that. I thought that Marvin Wilson was far from a train wreck. Uh, it, I was I went into the film thinking, all right, this he's just going to be getting crushed, and that's going to uh, to me that was not the number one reason why their run defense didn't look good. I thought he had some good reps. I thought he had some bad reps. I thought overall he looked okay, and to me, worthy of a guy who maybe once you get him practicing a little more, uh, it, you know, deserves the chance to kind of play, tr try out that nose position, uh, certainly as a backup there. So I thought he was okay. I mean, if you look at like the big run, the 36-yarder, it's missed tackles by the, you know, by the secondary play a big role in it. I mean, if Marcus Epps makes a tackle, it's an eight-yard run, not a 36-yard run. And I did think they were pretty sloppy and they've been pretty sloppy as we talked about in our, uh, in our last episode, I think, kind of 
at the second and third level levels with their run defense. So, uh, and and again, the four man front stuff like that's been an issue all season. Yeah, you know, without Jordan Davis, when they're in their four man fronts, you can run on them, and that continued to be the case uh, in this game as well. So that's something to to take note of. Also, Marlon Tui Pelotu. I don't. I don't need to see him at nose tackle anymore. I don't yeah. think he can. I mean, I, I don't. Marvin's definitely know, I, better than Marvin yes. is definitely better than Marlin. Yes, that mm-hmm. absolutely. I think uh, Tui Pelotu has just he, he's not giving you much. Uh, he's rough there, regardless of the front you're in. And then the other option is Javon Hargrave at at nose, which we saw them do more of later in the game. And you mentioned it after the game that not only you know can he probably hold up there, but he can also uh, get you some mm-hmm. pass rush if it's not you know a predictable rundown. So I think those are their uh, options right now. You know, I would rotate Marvin Wilson in there and see what it looks like. See if you're getting gashed I think Hargrave is a nice fallback to stick in there and if he's getting you know too many snaps you can you can move Brandon Graham inside in your four-man fronts on third down or whatever I think you have options there as well but I I do think the secondary specifically needs to tackle better and there were just some plays there that were blocked up well Mm -hmm. and then they missed tackles and they led to big runs so my level of concern is probably less than most with the run defense right now, but uh, that certainly right. could change in the weeks ahead. The thing is, it's it's holistic. It's like, I, in, in my opinion, with Marvin in there in the five down fronts, you just see TJ Edwards and Kaiser White playing so much faster into a gap downhill into line of scrimmage than you did with Davis. And to me, that's an indication of like, we know we're not going to get the delay, we're not going to get the space, we're not going to get the back hesitating in the backfield because we just have this clog in the middle, so we have to be downhill into a gap now. That is a reflection on the fact that it's Marvin and not and not Davis. That also puts more stress on your secondary to tackle. Like, you're, 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 you're asking now Kaiser, like, all right, Kaiser, go plug this gap right now so that we know the back pushes to the backside A gaps, so that we know the safety's there to fit. Like, let's dictate that way. Okay, well, now safety's going to make a tackle, right? So it, like... I agree with you that the secondary didn't tackle well. I think that you, I wouldn't be surprised if over the weeks we have without Jordan Davis, the secondary struggling to tackle in the running game is a recurring theme. And it's like, oh, wow, like how unfortunate. Well, I don't think those two things are not linked. I think they are linked by okay. how you have to play when there is no Davis in the middle. Still wearing a good run defense, a reminder to everyone when, you know, yeah. they had, had Jordan Davis. They were still below average overall run defense. So we'll see what they do um, and, and how they react. I think it's fine to kind of go into it game by game, try some different things out, see what works, see what doesn't work, and figure it out from there. All right. Question number two. Matthew, and I saw you, you were, uh, just before we came on, you were having some Twitter conversations about our friend Steven Ruiz's quarterback ranking. So this goes to that. Oh, yeah? It's not it's not the conversation you were having uh, on Twitter that I saw about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, this is from Matthew says, where would you rank Hertz as a quarterback? Top 15, top 10, top five. Uh, Steven Ruiz in his quarterback rankings, which you should read on the ringer, has him 10th and uh I'm, I'm doing a podcast tomorrow on the ringer nfl feed with steven uh on the scramble which everyone can listen to and so i asked for questions for that and i got uh, uh many an eagles fan like <laughs> hitting me with like why does St- steven hates jalen hurts and then i looked at his rankings and he was 10th and i was like that doesn't seem that doesn't seem that bad to me so here's who uh steven has ahead of jalen hurts he's got patrick mahomes Josh Allen, yep. Justin Herbert, yep. Lamar Jackson, yep. Joe, uh, I almost said Joe Brady, Tom Brady, Joe yep. Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, 
and Geno Smith. Uh, Benjamin Solak, where do you have Jalen Hurts this year? Do you agree with Steven? Do you think he deserves to be a little higher? Do you think he deserves to be uh, a little bit lower? Yeah. And then I'll share so my will, thoughts on it. I wouldn't have Rodgers above him. That I know for sure. You didn't say Kyler? He does not have Kyler ahead of I him. I think I'd have Kyler above him. Gino above him is like fair. Just because you're like, well, Gino's only done it for one season. It's like, yeah, well, Hertz has kind of only really done it for one season. It's just you expect the younger guy to do it in one season as opposed to Gino who's a bit older. So I don't mind Gino well, I, over him. I sort of think for this exercise, and maybe you disagree, what we need to do in our heads is say, take quarterback X, put him in exact situation that Jalen Hurts is in with this offensive line, this coaching staff, these receivers, this tight end, and then take Jalen Hurts and put him in the other quarterback situation right? Yeah. and decide, do you have a strong opinion about whether either team would be better or worse? I understand this is like... I think know, the Seahawks and the Eagles would both be worse in that instance if you switched them. I probably agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Just I very think I, different asks from their quarterback. Yes, yes. Very that's polar. True. I think I think I agree with that. I think I would. It, Geno Smith has played very well. I think I would have Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I would feel comfortable putting Jalen Hurts ahead of Geno Smith there. Even Rodgers. Okay, so if you put Rodgers in this offense with this offensive line, with these weapons, with this coaching staff, you don't think the offense would be just as good? Oh well. <laughs> See, it's hard. What, and then right. if you put well, you Hertz, would, yeah. And you put Hurts in that Packers offense. Holy smokes, right. Throw so it two. turns out it's hard yeah. to separate a quarterback from his weapons and his right? and his play style and his offensive line and his, his play caller, which is, you know, something we've all already known, but it's important to restate. Uh I will say, so much of the Rodgers conversation is like, okay, Rogers playing very poorly. What percentage of that is because he's getting older? And because he's t- he's falling off, and what percentage of that is because he's just, forgive me, a little pissy, a little bit upset about the situation in Green Bay, and accordingly, yeah, is just constantly just like meh, one on one, like just doesn't read things out, like just isn't running the offense responsibly. Because if he was in Philadelphia, if you were just like happier as a person, the offense might be better. I or always if you, like, or if you just yeah. throw those one on ones in Philadelphia, guess what? It's gonna yeah, look a lot, a lot better more successful. too. Yeah. I to me, I always think about quarterbacks in terms of like tiers. I think it's really hard to be like, who's better, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Like to me, like all right, the elite tier is Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. Then you have the second tier, which like has your Joe Burrow, has your Dak Prescott, has your Tom Brady. Lamar might even be like pushing for tier one right now. Believe me, in tier two. I don't think Hurts belongs with those names in that second tier. When I start thinking about the third tier of quarterbacks, which to me is like your Kyler Murray, your Matthew Stafford, your. Uh, you know, Geno Smith this year, your Tua this year. That to me sounds like more like where Jalen belongs. So to me, he's like a tier three quarterback. You can win a lot of football games with a tier three quarterback. You can be a really good team. To win a Super Bowl, you got to be pretty much perfect. That's the tough thing about being in that tier is you, really everything around you has got to be nice. Well, that's the story of the 2022 Eagle season. So we'll see what it looks like. All right. So here are my, my follow-ups here. So uh, I looked at his list. Here are the guys I have uh, no issue with. I think Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Brady, Burrow, I put Rodgers in there, and Prescott. I think those eight, if you plugged them into this exact Eagle situation, I think you would be looking at uh, very similar results in terms of this being a top three offense. Now, it would look a little different because Hurts does more with his legs, mm-hmm. so, you know, not all those guys do. Um, I think the Lamar conversation is is 
pretty interesting. I didn't look at Lamar and say, if you put Lamar in this situation, that the Eagles are de- are better than they are now, I think you could make a case that they might not be as good as they are now. Uh, and, if, and it comes down to a couple things. One is the decisiveness with which Hurts plays with, which we've talked about all season long. He decides he's going to scramble. He's off. He scrambles. It's over. He's not taking negative plays. Lamar has a different playing style where he'll twirl around and look at the other end zone and make these spectacular plays that we all like to watch, but it's a different style than how Jalen Hurts plays. Mm -hmm. And then the accuracy, I feel like this year, Lamar Jackson has missed more throws than Jalen Hurts. Now that is a eight, that is a nine week sample. I don't know that that would be the case if we looked at it over a larger sample. The statistics uh, would back that up. I was surprised by these numbers, Ben. Where do you think Hurts is right now in completion percentage over expectation, which for those who don't know, oh, that he's measures be through the moon because of how many deep yeah. balls they've completed. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, completion percentage over expectation, it, it takes distance into account, it takes separation yeah. into account. I mean, it's it's imperfect because when your wide receivers make awesome plays, you get credited for that. Uh, but he's third in that. He's yeah. first in adjusted completion percentage from Pro Football Focus, which gives you credit when your wide receivers drop the ball. Uh, it takes away spikes. It takes away throwaways. Uh, so I think I just personally have probably underrated his accuracy a little bit this year. It feels like on film every week there will be at least a few throws where you say, all right, he missed that one. But overall, statistically, uh, it's been very good. Now, the case for Lamar would be the Ravens are third in offensive DVOA, and he's throwing to Devin Duvernay, <laughs> to Marcus Robinson, oh, Isaiah, Isaiah Likely, likely uh, all these guys. Well, James and so Proche. James Proche. So they face a much tougher slate of defenses. Do you have a strong opinion about whether, you know, ha- how kind of the two offenses might look if you just switched Hurts and Jackson for this year? I think it would look better with Lamar. Uh, I don't. I mean, like, I like... That's not even true. I think it would look different with Lamar, and I think it would yes. be just as good. And then you're you're parsing kind of like what, what, how do you want your offense to look like? What do you want your offense to be like stylistically? Right? Like, uh, hurts screens, outbreaking routes, go balls. Go look at where Lamar's the best passer in terms of like his play. It's between the numbers, intermediate. Yeah. Like it's just it's just the area of the field the Eagles don't use. So it's like yeah, if you put Lamar in this offense and ran all the hurts plays, it wouldn't look as good. But you wouldn't do that. So, how much better would it be? It's tricky, right? And the other thing is they're such different runners stylistically, yes. right? Uh, Lamar is, is joystick, hurts a straight line. And so you would call, not even call different plays. Like the Eagles run GT counter and the, the Ravens run GT counter. You would block it differently. You would time it differently just because of the play style of your quarterback. It's one of the reasons why you, were, you saw this with the Eagles last year. You saw this with, with, you're seeing this with Justin Fields right now with the Bears. It's very hard to just press the quarterback run button. Oh, run the quarterback more. And then it takes like eight weeks for an offense to install it, figure it out, and make it work. And everybody's always like, why haven't they been running it more? It's tough. It's a hard, hard to block up. You got to practice it. You don't do it a lot at the NFL level. You got to do it against a ton of different fronts. Like, it's not easy. So, so much of it would change that the Lamar to Hurts comparison is really difficult. Yes, Lamar has like in terms of just running ability uh, this year. You know he he's averaging seventy one yard rushing yards per game and seven point four yards per carry, which is just Healthy. like s- silly numbers. Uh, hurts. I this was actually surprising to me on non scrambles, and I'm taking away kneel downs. Hertz is only averaging 2.9 yards per carry on 46 attempts this year, which yeah. I was like, ooh, that's lower than I suspected. But a lot of his rushing production has come 
through uh, scrambles, whereas a lot of Lamar's yeah. has come through design run game, option runs, those kinds of things. So the Eagles you're right, also it would definitely change there. So many of their design runs this season have been sneaks because they constantly go for it in short That's yardage. a great point. You're right. And they constantly, that right. brings and it down big time. Yeah, absolutely. Versus like the Ravens don't run Lamar on nearly as many sneaks as the Eagles run Hurts because Lamar's just not the build for it, right? So your, your, your yards per carry is going to drop on that because of it. Yes. You're absolutely right. That's uh, yeah. That, Get your that, filter that, game strong, Shield. That, Get you know those what? I don't know. I don't know that they have. Sne- I got. I got to see if I can filter. Yeah, me neither. Not I have no idea how to do that. All right. <laughs> a couple. I wanted to ask. I wanted to follow up with a couple more on here. Uh, if Trevor Lawrence, this version of Trevor Lawrence, is in this offense, is the offense better, worse, or the same? It's not as good because the 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 fall off in the running game, right? The running game is so important to this offense. The passing game is 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 probably better, just in terms of like again, like variety of stuff you can run, like the way you can access the field. But like better there is a term that's like using an NFL scale, right? It's a, I should say a traditional NFL scale. I was saying like it'd be better because you'd run more concepts. You'd throw the ball to different areas. You'd spread the wealth. Yeah, I mean like is it wrong to just chuck go balls to A.J. Brown every single time you get man coverage? Like in the general no. NFL discourse, in the hegemony, it would be like, no, you can't do that. That's sacrilegious. And the Eagles are like, yeah, we don't. he's really good, man. He's really good at this, and Hurts is really good at throwing this ball, so we're just not going to ever do anything else. Um, so it, I think the passing game would be better in this sense of, like, you know, the, the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning ideals of the world. Uh, the Eagles' passing game isn't bad with Hurts, and, like, there's no re- reason to change it. So it's not really an, an indictment on the way the Eagles throw the ball now. Okay, I don't know that we actually ever answered the question. So let's say the editors called us on Monday and they said, "Hey, Sheil and Ben." Uh, I said, Steven, "No, no, no." I said it's better with Hertz. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, not that. No, you answered that. I said we didn't answer the oh, first the question ranking question for Matthew. I no, I wasn't that ripping that was you ages there. Yeah. Ago. That's history, man. <laughs> yeah. So let's say the editors called us on Monday and said, "You know what? Stephen Ruiz is just kind of burned out. He's doing 17 podcasts, 43 articles, and then you know all this stuff this week. You guys are going to team up and do the quarterback rankings this week. <laughs> about, about this week, and they say, "Here's how we're going to do it. You're each going to uh, do it separately, and then we'll just take the average of it." Uh, where is Ben Solak's ranking of Hertz in the quarterback rankings? I don't think I don't think Ruiz is far off. I mean, ten yeah. it, to me is fair. I might I think I would have him above Gino, and so I would probably put him ninth. And if we're going by just this year, you certainly could make a case for uh, over Rodgers. You could put him there. With, I think I think overall Prescott's a better player, but Prescott has been injured. So if you want to put him as high as like six, I don't yeah. think that would be nuts. And I don't think 10 is nuts. So I would say between six and 10, I would probably chicken out and put him somewhere like eighth or ninth. Yeah, it's always important to remember that after I after you get the general sketch of where you want your rankings to be, your brain then goes, okay, what will get you in the least amount of trouble? And then yeah. it makes fine adjustments. <laughs> no, I definitely right. I think you cannot reasonably, in my opinion, argue him above Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Lamar, Brady, Burrow. So that's seven. I think Lamar, you can, but you don't. Yeah. So so for me, just, that that's yeah that put that maxes him out at seven. Um, okay. And then there's probably like a good, a good another six or seven QBs I could see myself getting over him. But like that like fringe top 10 range, I'd guess he would end up like 11, 11, 12 for me would be my guess. Okay, see? So, so listeners who are yelling at Ruiz, yell at Ben. Instead, he's got him lower than... Uh, Trust me, the people who yell at Steven yell at me. It's a, it's a, that Ben diagram is a circle. All right, let's take a little break and then we'll come back with the third question. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... 
Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, we are back with number three. Some of these are quicker. I thought that was a good one, so I wanted to uh, spend a little bit more more time on it. All right, number three, Jake says, would you extend Hertz at the end of the season? And Ajar says, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, should they ask Hertz to take a market discount to continue to build around him? And if he doesn't agree, should they let him walk and start over with a rookie QB? Now, we answered some version of this two weeks ago, and you're saying, Shield, you told us you're not answering the free agency one. Well, this one I feel like requires an up. This is one to yeah. probably do an update on every uh, couple of weeks. So what do you think? But let's say, here, let me add a little more detail to it. Let's say Jalen Hurts' is agent, you're Howie Roseman, Jalen Hurts' is agent, calls and says, you know what? We're not looking to totally break the bank. Uh, we want the financial security. Jalen Hurts will do the Kyler Murray deal, $46 million a year. Right now, you don't have to see if he wins the Super Bowl and then the price goes up. You don't have to worry about that. He'll do that right now. Uh, if you're Howie Roseman, do you say, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's get it done? Or do you say, uh, chill out, we'll talk to you in February? I Yeah, the... I thought you were going to come with a different deal. The Kyler deal is like the third biggest deal. That is breaking the bank. That's so, the floor deal, though. I right, mean, I right know, now. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I just thought you were going to come with something else. Uh, no, I'm not signing him to the Kyler deal right now. Okay. Uh, the reason for that is like, all right, I don't. The Kyler deal is 230 million dollars, so 46.1 per year. If I don't sign him to that now, and then Hertz goes on to win MVP and win the Super Bowl and win Super Bowl MVP. 
how much it's going to be like what like five million more that's or, true excuse, good excuse, point. excuse me not not five uh like yeah like per year it's gonna be about five million more yeah at that point it's like i, I can't point. sign kaiser white you know what i mean like yeah. like I, I, the, 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 that's not too much of a change for me so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna step that out now in the case that like this tails off and like you know he plays really poorly in the playoffs again now i have a little bit more like negotiating leverage right with that said like i think i would extend him like i, I would try to get to a point where i where I could get that deal done. I'd love to get it at like the Kyler Murray floor, like you're bringing up and lower if I can. But I, I think you have, you you're in a position where you have to just because the rest of the team is really good and is under contract. You don't really want to invite quarterback instability into that. Like a lot of when we talked about hurts quarterback deal, we expected the Eagles to be like a good team, but that like the, the most hype that this roster had was like, maybe this is the a Super Bowl roster. Like maybe this is like the best roster in the NFC. They've been in, it's an insanely good roster. It's an unbelievably good roster. And so you just don't want to invite quarterback instability into that. So I'd be fine extending him for that reason. Um, you certainly see if he's willing to come in a little bit below market, be like, hey, this will help us pay AJ. You like AJ, right? AJ Brown, he's your friend. Yeah, this will help us pay AJ. He can uh, just say AJ's already paid. Dallas is yeah. already paid. Devante's on a rookie contract. My Lada's already paid. Lane's under. Lane's paid. Listen, I, I would be a good agent. I mean, I would be yeah. able to fire back at Howie with all of these. Nope, you, you'll be good. You guys have figured out uh, big quarterback contracts in the you past. You got to negotiate my next contract. I'm going to get you in the building. Uh, yes, yeah, so you try, but yeah, I think you get a no. I would not let him walk. Uh, and what we know as of right now, if he has another performance in the playoffs like he did against the Bucks last year, different conversation. But for what we know right now, I don't think I'd let him walk. Yeah, I mean, the second part of that question was if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. And if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, you, you're just paying him at Run the top back. of the market and saying, hey, we've got a great, like what I just said is true. I mean, that's what you have to look at. You've got A.J. Brown under contract uh, for over the next three years. At least you've got Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard under contract for the next three years at least. I mean, that is a great trio of guys in their mid to late, I mean, the primes of their careers right there that you don't even have to talk contract with them barring something Mm unforeseen you've got my for the next three you've Jergensen, got dickerson for the dickerson. next two you've got lane johnson for the next two you already drafted cam jurgens to replace kelsey kelsey might want to come back they if they have a good season i mean kelsey looks like he's having fun to me do you when you watch the ravens do you watch patrick ricard and go man i wish they'd put kelsey at tight end so, uh, that's all i ever That'd do be fun patrick no i ricard don't but that would be kelsey fun. size there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that they're like <laughs> within like 10 pounds of each other next year if kelsey wants to come back Jurgens can start at center and Kelsey just plays like 30% of the snaps at fullback. Uh, sign me up. I'm so in. I would be uh, great. <laughs> Lane Johnson is probably the one I think uh, I saw Jimmy Kemsky wrote that uh, Lane Johnson said he wants to play maybe a couple more years. He's getting up there a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if you take some kind of tackle in this year's draft and then say Amalu is a free agent, but you have an offensive-minded head coach. Like, you don't overthink it. I mean, I understand the question. Like, you can look at different... It's the conversation we just had. Hey, you take quarterback X and put him in this situation with this supporting cast, the offense might be as good. But guess what? If you have a Super Bowl ceiling and everybody likes the quarterback and he's got great intangibles and he's durable and he doesn't turn the ball over and he's a hard worker and he's a culture setter, you don't mess around with that kind of thing. <laughs> Just I mean, when pr- all of those conditions are yeah, filled, yeah, you can't I mean, mess around. Well, because you look at it and say, well, yeah, because you do. I mean, I'm sure everyone does this. You watch like another quarterback on a Sunday and just go, that guy's more talented than Jalen Hurts. Maybe in the Eagle system, you know, he would be... We had that conversation with Kyler Murray a month ago, right? Yeah. On just 
pure talent. Kyler Murray has, I think, more pure talent than Jalen Hurts. But think of all the other stuff I just mentioned, and it's not even close. And you can tell that by the two organizations. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, I think they're going to end up signing him to a monster deal uh, probably at the end of the season. Now, you had the one caveat. I mean, right now, for as fun as it is to talk about undefeated season and Super Bowl favorites, you lose you lose in the divisional round. Oh my gosh, think of the feelings you have then. And so that but something like that could potentially change everything. And there are still uh, you know, what are they, eight now? There's still nine games left, so we'll see what happens. But um I think the most likely scenario, no, there's not gonna be uh any discount. There's gonna be a big contract for him unless they bow out of the playoffs early. All right. Philly JGS says, Hi Sheila and Ben. Nice greeting. I like that when they it's not Howdy. just a question. Nice, nice uh polite manners. I, I appreciate that. Do you believe in this team? Philly JGS says, are they really this good? Maybe it's my growing up in Philly, but I'm having a hard time believing this team is good. Uh, whereas I did believe the Phillies were good during the playoff playoffs thoughts. I, I don't think he means are, you know, he means are they like good, good, not just like, you know, right. Pretty good. Uh, I can start this one. I mean, I'm the guy who pretty much every week tries to find something and say, well, this could, you know, this might regret. They're really good. They are, they are on the short list, two, three teams that should win the Super Bowl. They pass every test you could potentially look at. Right now, they're first in DVOA. If you look at the implied odds right now, it gives them a 35% chance to get to the Super Bowl, which feels very high for after week nine. But there's a reason for that. Just two of their wins have been one possession games. They're a plus 90 point differential, which is second league wide. They're healthy right now. Uh, they can win in different ways, offensively, defensively, run game, pass game, the leadership, the vibes. There you go. Ringer podcast are very good Check around the this team. The coaching staff comes out of the bye and you're seeing the wrinkles on film where they actually, you know, every coaching staff talks about it. Well, they actually did do some self-scouting and change some things up. Uh, I see a defense that can win a lot of one-on-ones, whether it's up front or at cornerback. I see an offense that can win a lot of one-on-ones, whether it's up front or at wide receiver. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's really not a lot of reasons to doubt this team uh, at eight and no, like there's no big thing that you look at and say it's a fluky uh, eight and no. I can get, I can get to one more thing in a minute after I hear your opinion. But um, for someone again who likes to nitpick, just do the thing and, now. Why why wait? On okay. Thing? Well, well, the thing is that uh, you know defensively is where I would still say, and and listeners probably won't be shocked at this. I, I don't think they've been tested. I mean, the best offense they faced is the Cowboys, and the Cowboys started Cooper Rush there. They're 10th in DVOA. The second-best offense they faced is the Jaguars, who are 11th in DVOA, and, like, rain to Trevor Lawrence was, like, kryptonite to Supermans. Although, it rained a little last game, uh, right, in Jacksonville, and yeah. he played, and he still Held played well there. So maybe he figured it out. Uh, the third-best offense was the Lions, and they got lit up. The fourth-best offense was the Vikings, and they're 16th, and they faced the 24th, 28th, 29th, and 30th-ranked 30th offenses. I think they're a good defense. I don't know that, uh, like, if you would tell me that, hey, one of these other NFC offenses are going to get hot and they're going to light them up in the playoffs or the Cowboys are going to light them up when they play later this season, that would not completely shock me. So I'm not all there with the defense. I'm pretty much all there with the offense. I mean, I think barring injuries, I have a hard time seeing that group uh, just kind of laying a complete dud in any of these games. Yeah, I believe in the Eagles. I, I 
have seen too much evidence of I'm, the, the the key thing that you said that always rings true for me is I've seen too much evidence of them winning in different ways. I last year by the time they got to the playoffs, they were just a very one dimensional offense and they could not get around it. Uh, that's the sort of team that gets beat in the playoffs because the game plan has just become so much more individualized, so much more catered to each team. Bespoke, some would say. There As it is. Yeah, right. As it is, uh, the Eagles, just they're multifarious, right? They're multifaceted, and that makes them, to me, a very dangerous team. They also take over guys, right? We talk about January football. Uh, it can, you have a dude who just wins a football game. A.J. Brown just win you a football game, right? Like we saw Javon Hargrave. Hargrave will just win you. Like Darius Slay, he'll just win you a game. They'll just take a guy out of the equation, or they will not be able to be taken out of the equation. And in doing so, they win. the Eagles have enough takeover guys that I, I, I do believe in them. Uh, I also hate. Ooh, how I would feels. love. Now I'm. I'm not your editor. You. You said I could be your agent. I would love to read a piece about the who are the takeover. Maybe before the playoffs, who are the takeover guys? League wide. Okay. I'm not giving you more work, but I would. Read I wish that y'all piece could see like it. the stank face on Shield when he said takeover guys. He loves that. Like that. He's like that's, that's fine. Good yeah, right that's there. good. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, if Riley's listening to this, then I'll get a slack about it tomorrow and be like, "Hey, takeover guys, pencil it in, baby. Early January." <laughs> like you. Yeah. You don't have enough to do. I'm giving you. Uh, extra work here okay so yeah i think we're we're both on board with it i mean i don't know that there's much more to say about it go birds the fifth question who do you think is the eagles biggest threat to getting the number one seed now football outsiders gives the eagles a 77.8 percent chance to get the one seed do you know who would be second and third on that list dallas minnesota correct the cowboys have a fourth 14.7% 14.7% chance, and the Vikings have a 4.5% chance. So mathematically, those are the two teams, just because uh, one of them only has one loss in the Vikings, and the other one is 6-2, and two, but they play you still, so they can uh, they can hand you a loss. So I don't know that there's uh, much more to say about that. Cowboys and the Vikings, I guess if you had to pick one, if I told you, hey, the Eagles are not going to be the number one seed, uh, you ha- you can bet your life savings on another team that's going to be the one seed in the NFC. Would you take the Cowboys or the Vikings? Cowboys, just because yeah. implied, not Eagles. It's very like to me. It's much more likely the Eagles end up the five seed than the two seed. You see what I'm saying? Like implied, not Eagles at one means that Dallas is a really good shot to have just won the division. So I would take Dallas, and I'm like, I think Dallas is very good. Uh, the when I list teams that can win the Super Bowl from the NFC, I don't list. All right, the hold Vikings. on. You might have to wait till the next question. Oh, my bad. I'll give uh, you the I, next question. I think the Cowboys <laughs> are very good, uh, and so like that that team in that game, I think was Week 16. I want to say the Eagles have them. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, that's that's one where you could be looking at like you know a one loss Eagles team and a two loss Cowboys team, and kind of the the there's a lot that ends up riding on that day. So we'll 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 see how the cards fall. But if you're telling me a non Eagles team won the NFC, I'm putting a lot of chips on Dallas. Yeah, it's the Cowboys statistically, I test, and for the fact that Ben just said they, they play the Eagles and they can win the division. All right, six. Rohan asks, looking at the current standings, the wild cards scare me more than the division winners. Dallas or San Francisco in round two? Yikes! Mm-hmm. What would you see as the best case slash worst case playoff seeding scenarios, assuming Eagles hold the one seed. All right, so I interrupted you. You were talking about the Cowboys. I think that, you know, pretty much this is pretty much a question about the landscape in the uh, NFC. Who do you want to face? Who do you want to face yeah. when? Who are you scared of? Who do you believe in? So go, go continue with your Cowboys <laughs> point and whatever else you want to say. Yeah, when I list teams that I think can win the Super Bowl from the NFC, I list Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco. 
That's where I'm at right now. I'm close on Minnesota, but I'm also not close on Minnesota. Just because, yeah, yeah, I just, I I like, at some point you're really healthy and you've won a ton of games, you've got to the playoffs. And then it's like, hey, can you win three coin flips? And as an Eagles fan who was alive in 2017, I know that you can win a couple (laughs) coin flips. So like, you know, it's, it's not like at that point they become viable, but like in terms of like teams that scare me, teams with teeth. Uh, Dallas and San Francisco as you say current standings right Dallas can be a wild card as long as Eagles hold the east uh in the west I you know I love the Seahawks team I think they're they're really impressive I think they're too young and 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 punching above their weight to really be a team that I'm, I'm afraid of in the playoffs but they're also very well coached and so like you know if a young team can be okay in January playing in week 19 week 20 week 21 a coach like Pete Carroll is probably a big reason why so Seahawks you know maybe Eagles play Seattle right now. I'm like, yeah, I feel fine about it. Probably when I'm preparing that week, I'll be like, holy smokes. Um, but as it is, San Francisco is the team that scares me more there. San Francisco has just been so close multiple times with this exact formula. And they and talk talk about takeover players. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Christian McCaffrey, Devo Samuel. Like they 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 are a top heavy build, but it's a really it, it's a build that's been proven to be successful for them. Uh, and so Niners and Dallas certainly to me are the most scary teams in the NFC the Eagles might run through. So if the playoffs started today, Eagles are the one seed, Vikings are the two seed, they would host the 49ers, the seven seed. Mm-hmm. Seahawks at three would host the Giants, who would be sixth. Bucks at four would host the Cowboys, who are sixth. In my opinion, the best case scenario would be you play the Giants in oh, the please. second round. Yeah, that, that would be the best case scenario i'm with you i have it as a three-team race we talked about this recently on extra point taken cowboys and the 49ers other contenders in the nfc but like if the season ended today like i said you're probably looking at the 49ers at home in the second round if the 49ers beat the vikings in minnesota which would not be the best case scenario at the same time i was thinking about it like if the goal is to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to play them at some point anyway. So maybe it doesn't matter if it's the divisional round or the NFC Championship game. So in this scenario, you would play the 49ers in the divisional round. And then if you win, it would be like the Bucks or the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. So Rohan makes a good point. Like it is set up sort of weirdly now where the two teams who you think are probably, you know, your biggest mm-hmm. competition would be wildcard teams. And that's not going to change with Dallas unless you collapse and lose the division with the 49 Niners, uh, it could change if they overtake the division from yeah. uh, from Seattle there. Yeah, so. and if you if you have to go by Dallas, San Francisco, that kind of sucks. <laughs> you just really would yeah. love to run into like the Giants, Minnesota, the yeah, Falcons. Minnesota. Those are the um, two. Yeah, yeah. It, oh man, you get yourself a a, a a two three four, and you get to play the like Tampa or or the Falcons. Whoever comes out of that NFC South. Mm. Give me that. And that's what I need right now. <laughs> yeah, I think the Giants and Vikings I would have on like one tier as preference. Then probably the Seahawks and the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks, now that would be interesting given that they played last year and they got the yes. same coach. They don't have the same players, but uh, I mean, they haven't been good this year, but they're a team who, I don't know, does it'd be a week great, 18 look different? It'd be a great exorcism, right? You beat yes. those those Bucks in divisional round weekend. You, you strutted by conference championship. Yeah. We don't lose in the playoffs anymore. Baby. We're good. Yeah, so there you go. That's the state of the NFC. I I think we're on the same page there. All right, question number seven. And there were various uh, (laughs) examples of this question, which tells you the Eagles fan mindset right now. This is from Rich. We haven't had a big injury this season. 
what injury would hurt the Eagles the most? There was another one that named Don't like ask five these players. Five players and said, if you had to choose two to have season-ending injuries. So I didn't go that far. I, I had uh, time to prepare for this, so I'll give you some of my names here. Uh, I think Hertz is first. Uh, yeah, got to be. On that list. I have A.J. Brown second. Yep. I think I think I have Dallas Goddard third. Uh, and then I think I had their cornerbacks, Slay and yeah. Bradbury. In the, the first next two year. that came to my mind, non-Hertz, were A.J. Brown and Darius Slay, for sure. Okay. Uh, Goddard is a really good one, especially as I've been the like, hey, Jack Stoll maybe not be that good guy. So I, yeah. I, I would be very worried to see what that looked like. It'd just be harder to conceal run past tendency. I think that would get tricky. The AJ Brown one is so big because right now, as I joked earlier in the, in the show, the entire man coverage solution right now is where's 11. And it's funny because like Devontae's been very good against man coverage. Like he's separating, he's running great routes. They yeah. lost AJ. Like they could, they could reasonably go to like hey where's Devonte, and like just kind of let that ride it's just you you have less proof of concept he's not been in the league as long he hasn't had the elite seasons that aj brown's had and then also like if you're still an 11 personnel team the eels are primarily a three receiver team aj gets hurt you're in a Devonte smith quez walken zach pascal world at wide receiver it's not that doesn't sound good yeah that's not good yeah I talk mean, about needing dallas goddard that'd be, that'd be yes. enormous right now the eagles are the most top-heavy team in terms of target share in the league regarding their top two targets. No team in the league throws to their top two targets more than the Eagles. That's A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. You lose either one of those players, you're losing legitimately 35% of the targets. Enormous mm. number. The only team that comes close is the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle when two is playing. on The not Skyler Thompson, not Teddy Bridgewater weeks. So think about like how productive Waddle and Hill have been on like that pass-happy attack. The Eagles don't have the same numbers for Brown and for Goddard because they don't throw the ball as much, but it's that level of reliance. And so Brown and Goddard are, are enormous. Then defensively, which we've said it a thousand times, like they're super deep at on the defensive line. Their linebackers and their safeties aren't really like impact players, and they have depth there, both of those, you know, because you're kind of just like cycling to Kobe Dean, cycling Kayvon Wallace, not a big drop off. You look at uh, safety would make me nervous if Kayvon Wallace had to play a hundred percent of the snaps, but who's, you're who's, right. I, who's yeah. Who's getting lost in that instance. Epps. Uh, I guess I, I don't know. Could either of them. Yeah. I mean like I, I would be worried in the case of the depth. I wouldn't be so worried in the case of like, wow, this is a star player. that has been high impact and really made a lot of plays. Chauncey lucky picks aside. I think, you know, like I, to me, that's, that's not as much of a concern relative to the corner position. Yeah, I actually had a, uh, well, I had two follow-up questions here. So I, I think we agree on most of this. As we were talking that out, I think I would almost, I would pretty much put A.J. Brown on Hertz's level, honestly, as like on yeah. one tier. I mean, you I could did probably... see, somebody gave us a question. I was like, how can we get Quez the ball more? And I was like, what are you trying to count? I saw Yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. How do we get A.J. Brown the ball more? How do we get Devontae the ball more? It's the only question. I did not include, uh, inc- I understand the question, but I did not include the question there. So, I mean, you could make an argument that Minshew and keeping the supporting cast with A.J. Brown versus Hertz without A.J. Brown. I mean, I-, I would still say Hertz is more valuable, but I think you could have that conversation. Uh, defensively, which de- which uh, front seven player do you think, if you were just like this, you get to protect one guy from injury the rest of the way and say he's not going to get injured which guy do you think you would choose? Reddick or Hargrave right now, okay. right? I put like, Hargrave down when I was asking myself that question. Yeah. Certainly with Davis out, it's probably right. Hargrave, just because that's where you're at depth-wise. 
Davis is like, I think we're going to see over the next few weeks that like Davis has a case on that list. I don't think he is the guy, but it's just, again, it's, it's such a really interesting. It's, uh, oh, we, we'll see we, how it plays out. We do this I don't every we two agree weeks. There. It's such a linchpin <laughs> position for that. Right. It's so important. Um, Redick is just, is he's, he's, he's got linchpin nature to him, right? He's essential to the way they structure defense just because he has the rush and drop ability. And then when he rushes, he's been really good. Like he's been very yeah. effective by a lot of like efficiency metrics on the film. He looks really good. He has his early wins. Early wins are more valuable than late wins. Like there's just so much that you like with him as a pass rusher. We didn't even really talk too much about the the old the pass breakup from Redick in the red zone, man. Yeah, how about that? Mm, drop that, that nice. man into coverage. Oh, I love <laughs> <Sorry>. it. <laughs> we didn't mention Kelsey or Mylata or Lane Johnson just because I mean great, very good the players, depth. but. You have depth there. So, yeah, I don't think you would have as much of a drop-off. Gardner, I wanted to ask you about Gardner-Johnson uh, because this goes to the question about, you know, a free agent, which free agent would you resign? It goes to this question about who can you least afford to lose. I've been a little underwhelmed by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in this role as a safety. And, well, like, we've joked about it, but it's true. With the inter- He makes the catches. He deserves credit for that. He's mm-hmm. in the right spot, and he doesn't drop them. But that's not like you're, when you're listing qualities for what you want as, you know, your, your safety. That wouldn't right. be number one. And he, the reason he left New Orleans or had that battle was because he wanted to get paid, and they didn't want to pay him. And so I was looking at some safety numbers. I think the floor, and I don't even think this is realistic on his end. I think he would be like, no, thanks. I'll test free agency. But I think it would be like Quandre Diggs's three-year, $39 million deal, uh, which is $13 million per season. So that would pay him just as basically the 10th highest paid safety in the NFL. So he kind of just sneaks in there or tied for 10th. Again, I don't think that's what he's going to be looking for. But if his representation called you and said, hey, uh, he really likes it there. He likes the scheme. He likes the locker room. Uh, he likes living in Philly. He'll do that deal right now. And you're Howie. Would you do that deal? I think I, I think I take 339, but I agree with you. I, don't think, mm-hmm. he, I think he has been a little bit underwhelming. I think I'll put it to you this way. I think over the, over the course of the league, over the last few years, you look at defenses that are playing split safety, playing too high stuff. The ones that have like the super highly paid safety, you just don't end up feeling like you get return on that. Like the Browns with John Johnson, the third is the first guy who comes to mind where just like John Johnson was playing split field with the Rams. It was sick. The Browns paid him a big deal. And he went in like, he's playing at like 80, 85% of maybe the level he was at with the Rams. And you're just like, ugh. It kind of sucks. Like it's just, it, it, so much of of being of the safety position is like just being in the right spot for two of the fifty five plays you see that day. That it's hard to like accrue the counting stats. It's hard to accrue the high impact plays. You're like I'd rather just put this money on like another defensive lineman, like a guy who's nearer to the ball. Number one, and then number two, it's pretty that like you're far away from the ball, and you're also meant to be interchangeable. So it's like I don't want a highly paid guy and then to fill backfill the position with fourth round picks because then I lose my interchangeability. I have one guy who does everything really well, my highly paid guy. And then I have another guy who just like kind of does one thing well. And I lose my ability to like scheme stuff up. So I, I, I would rather be at, like, I think looking across the league, I would rather be at a spot where like I have two safeties who I don't feel like any particular, like the C, the Seahawks with Jamal Adams. He's got to be up near the line. All right. Yeah. Wandre Diggs. Now he's got to be deep. Well, now you're not really a split safety team. You are, but you aren't, you know? And so I wouldn't mind the 339 just because I do think that that Chance is a talented enough player. But I, I do agree with you that like I like I expected more from him here, not in terms of like five picks. Yeah, that's been better. But like the uh 
Uh, just the film in terms of the impact, the tackling for sure. Like I expected more from him. With that said, I've got five years of data on him. I do think he's like a he's a thirteen mil per year safety. Right. It doesn't bother me too much. But that's that's the top of my range. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, they might have like an internal evaluation of practices and you know all this other stuff where they say, you know, you're paying for future performance. You're not paying for just the games he just played. So they might be able to talk themselves into it rationally and say, yeah, absolutely, we do that because his best football is ahead of him and he's going to be so great next season after he has a year here. And so I don't think that would be nuts. I would just, uh, as I was looking through the free agents and even just watching him on film last game, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I, I thought, man, he's maybe he's a player to watch in the, you know, down the stretch. Maybe he will, um, you know, improve and be better there. All right. A few more here. A couple more and then our, our predictions for the game. Ayush, Ayushka, I think this is not uh, says over under on 14 wins for the Eagles this season. Imagine if I would have told you this is going to be a mailbag question when we first launched the Ringers Philly special. That, yeah, you know, going into uh, week 10, there will be a question about over-under for 14 wins. So FanDuel has them right now at 14 and a half wins is the over-under 14 and a half wins. Uh, I can take this one first. I, if I had to say a number right now, I think I would say 14 and 3. Uh, if I had to pick yeah. one, but if you're asking me over under on 14, I would say over, I think it's more likely they win 15 than they win 13 or fewer. If you use the FanDuel line at 14 and a half, then I'm going to go under cause I get the 14. Uh, I mean to get to 13, 13 and four, they would have to go five and four the rest of the way with one right. of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Yeah, so we're, we're, right now, we're, yeah, their remaining schedule is Monday night at Washington or home versus Washington, and then Sunday games at Indy versus Green Bay versus Tennessee at Giants at Bears. Saturday Christmas game at the Cowboys. So short week Christmas at Dallas week sixteen. <laughs> yeah, and then Sunday that, Saints, and then uh, uh, week eighteen Sunday uh, at home against the Giants. It's yeah. just here's what makes it really tricky. Like, okay, I tell you the Cowboy, the Eagles beat the Cowboys in week 16. All right, well, they're the one seed. Rest your starters. Or at the very least, like, you know, take your foot off the gas. We'll have this conversation more later, but I'm really interested to see if they have the bye by week 16. How many weeks? You can't rest for three weeks. That's too much. You have yeah. to calibrate. Very tricky. Anyway, the problem is like week 17. The next question is about which games they're most likely to lose, by the way. So Yeah. Just in the case. problem with week 17 is it's the Saints game. Right. If you, you win, win that, that game, you knock yeah. the pick down. Yeah, it's like and trading so, for a up. It's like trading up in the first round. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, they're, the Eagles might be in a spot where they are like fifteen and one, or they are like fourteen and one with the, the division decided, and they're like, yeah, all the stars are playing as the Saints for four quarters, and it's reasonable. It's competitively, it's positive EV, uh, and so it's difficult to prognosticate. I think that they're more likely to win. I'm, I'd say they're more likely to go over fourteen and a half than under fourteen and a half. Um, okay. but it, like that's, that's the correct number just in terms of, of trying to figure out <laughs> oh how many games are going to be a competitive and late in the season, like what the, the what the seeding is going to look like and stuff. If I knew Dal, if you gave me Dallas's record four weeks from now, I'm positive I could pick over under 14 and a half, but I just don't know where the Cowboys are going to be. Wild of a 15 and two season, a 16 and one season is a play like, you know, if that's the case, potentially living through the best regular season that you as an Eagles fan listening may ever see in your lifetime but still a lot of football to be played so let's see all right question number nine which of the remaining regular season games are the Eagles most likely to lose and why is it the game at Chicago 
says Jason. Do you agree with him? So the Chicago game, it will be interesting. Chicago, I I did a a video on them this week for the ringer. Uh, Offense looks good. I will say that defense is terrible. I think the Eagles should win the Chicago game. Tennessee freaks me out. Tennessee is just, they, we talked about this on Extra Point Taken. Uh, no, we didn't. We talked about it on a different podcast. I'll get my pods messed up. <laughs> talked about it on the Sunday recap show, Ring NFL. Um, Tennessee is just so good. Like you said, oh, the Eagles win a bunch of different ways. Tennessee drags you into the mud and makes you play their game, right? The Eagles have been able to like be super flexible to other opposing teams. Then they're going to get Tennessee that's going to be like, hey, you're going to play an ugly, physical, defensive, hard-hitting, tackling, low-scoring game. Like it's just... That's Tennessee's model. Uh, and they're really, really good at, at, at dragging high-powered offenses. Think about uh, the, the Chiefs game they just played into that world. Some teams have, have gone past them, like Buffalo has. But still, uh, that running game with Derrick Henry, the verticality of it, the way it comes downhill at you, uh, the difficulties the Eagles secondary has had tackling relative to a back like Henry, that's just that, that's a game where, to me, like I can, uh, that, that's the one that currently freaks me out the most. Okay. I think, I mean, most likely I would say the Cowboys game just because that's on the road against, I think, probably one of the top five or six best teams in the NFL. So I was just looking at it line-wise, and that's the one uh, that, w- that would probably be most likely that you lose. Uh, I'm with you on Chicago. I could see that being tricky. Their offense has been good for a month now, and, you know, field to scrambling adds sort of a variable in there that is tough to account for, but they just traded two of their best defensive players, and I think their defense is going to stink. So I think you're going to be okay there. Home, that, home against the Packers and the Titans, I think they're going to lose one of those games. I don't know which one it is. I'm sort of, Titans feel like the hipster pick, but also feel like the right pick because of the reasons you just laid out. And also, just if you look at, I always look at this for the picks column. I mean, Mike Rabel as an underdog is like, you know, has really been one of the best bets in football yeah. since he became the head coach. I mean, you saw it Sunday night. They have no business even being in that game and uh, their position to win it in the fourth quarter. So they're really good as underdogs. Gi- Giants, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they could sweep the Giants, but I guess there's a chance you lose one of those. Uh, I think that the rest of the season has a little more juice than maybe the strength of schedule stats indicate. You know, I think the Commanders yeah. and the Colts, I think those are both cakewalks. I think the Saints is going to be a cakewalk. The other games, you know, Packers, Titans, Bears, Cowboys, Giants twice, those games all have a little bit of juice. Like, we'll do extended previews on those games and talk about the matchups, not right. like this game. So uh, I'm a little more excited about that than I was maybe uh, a month ago. All right. I guess we got to finish it out with talking about the Monday night football matchup and giving our predictions. If you're a listener who wanted a full preview for this, I don't know. I would listen. They already played them this Why? year. Yeah, why, why did you want a full preview for this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, I don't really feel like doing that. So they beat him 24 to 8 in week three. That was the game where Devontae Smith had a flurry of unbelievable catches. Eight for 169. Hertz was just giving his guys chances yeah. in that they game. Set they set the, uh, the sack record, right? Or the, even they the had franchise nine sacks. Record, I should say. Yes, yeah. nine sacks. Wentz played in that game. It'll be Heineke this week. Uh, they had 400 yards of offense. I remember watching that film and not thinking that like the commander's defense played horribly in that game. You know, there were like some snaps where they were pretty competitive and uh, aggressive there at the same time. The Eagles were up 24, nothing uh, at halftime. So it was not really a close game. Suo Peta played in that game. Uh, defensively, you mentioned it nine sacks and 17 quarterback hits, and they gave up 240 yards of offense. So uh, my take is simple on this game. I have really no reason to, 
doubt this offense. You know, maybe it'll may, maybe Washington will win some of those battles up front and make it a little bit messy. But uh, I still like this offense most weeks and against this team. And I like this matchup for the defense. Like Washington's not just going to be. I don't think so. Going to be able to run the ball on you consistently with their interior O line and kind of what they do on a weekly basis. So I thought about going even bigger blowout here. Now I'll say I, I told Ben this after the uh, post game pod last week like my record against the spread in eagles games is terrible so feel free to uh fade me here but i've got eagles 27 commanders 14 honestly i thought about going even bigger but maybe it's 27 7 and they get a touchdown at the end but i think they're going to cover the 10 and a half points what do you say benjamin yeah the uh it's an 11 point line which is actually kind of wild when you think about it right like okay Eagles. oh it's up to 11 okay yeah but the uh the 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 Commanders won three consecutive games. They beat the Bears in Chicago, uh, beat the Packers at home, beat the Colts on the road, and then they were up 17-7 on the 7-1 and Vikings, man. Like, they had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter that they ended up giving away. Like, this very reasonably could be a team that is uh, th- uh, four on a, a 4-0, and they're on, they're on a three-game win streak with Heineke as the starter. Well, oh, the juice with Washington. Then you start to kind of, you know, actually look into it and you're like, oh, that's right. Like they absolutely 100% should have lost the Colts game and then they didn't. And like, you know, that, that uh, Packers game was also, they were, uh, they were trailing that game in the, in, in the, uh, and I want to say in the third quarter, they were trailing that game and then they ended up taking me in the fourth and just had your Rodgers implosions. This has not been a team that has won decisively or has won by anything that feels sustainable. With that said, the way the Eagles beat them, Eagles defense, Washington offense is no longer available. Uh, Wentz takes sacks. Heineke is a good scrambler. Who, like he'll take his sacks, but he can get outside of the pocket. He's much more more likely to move out. He's much more likely to feel pressure. He does that well. So you are not going to be in a point where you just constantly in your second and seventeens, constantly in your third and thirteens. Like that's not going to happen. Uh, and so you're you're going to be tested a little bit more defensively. This was a game where I was curious to see kind of what the the man coverage would look like against a good Washington receiver room. The Eagles pass rush just ended up taking over, and if they do so again, great. If not. Yeah, you're going to have, you know, you're, you're, you're Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. It's not an easy group to play man coverage against. So interested to see what that looks like there. I agree. I don't think Washington's suited to causing the issues in the running game that I'm really worried about for this Eagles defense right now. So I still expect a good performance. And then, yeah, as you brought up, Washington didn't play that badly. It's just the Eagles won their one-on-ones. Well, the Eagles have been doing that all season. Week three, I was kind of like, all right, well, that's not going to happen all the time. And here it is happening all the time. Uh, so you, you're kind of a little bit ho-hum until you're not. You know, the uh, you get a couple of pass breakups, you get an OPI call, and all of a sudden you're 0 for 3 on your deep bombs instead of 3 for 3 on your deep bombs, and things look a lot differently. So there's a way this gets hairy. It's just how plucky is Washington going to be and how much is the Heineke scramble ability going to help relative to, you know, what the Eagles are. But I think you're going to be okay. I will be curious to see if there were more adjustments made after the mini buy and you get 10 days off, you have the opportunity to kind of install some new stuff. Do you take a relook back at the season and kind of change this and that? Be curious to see if they come out a little uh, stale too. I mean, it's Monday night football, so I guess not, but you are, you know, yeah. you, you are wondering kind of, you know, when does nine and 10 and when does it start to kind of lose its, lose its excitement a little bit? That's something that also you're, you're prepared for as well. So I'll be curious to see what they come out with, especially having, having not seen them in 10 days. So what's your, did you give a score prediction? Oh, I always forget to do that. <laughs> 2310 Eagles over Washington. Okay. So they cover. All right. There you go. We'll be back Monday night to talk about it. Let's get some uh, ratings and reviews up there. 
Come on, I haven't, you know, you longtime listeners know I will berate the listeners endlessly if we don't get uh, enough of those up there. Everyone did a good job when we launched the podcast and then first month, and then I haven't been uh, harassing you about it. So now I'm back to doing that. So let's get some of those back up there. Uh, thank you to Benjamin Solak. Thank you to everyone who listens to the Ringers Philly special. And we will talk to you on Monday night. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.